This is PhotoBizX, episode number 430, and today we have returning guest and friend of mine, Ian Sim. He is a Melbourne-based portrait photographer who always seems to be kicking goals in his business, and in this episode, he shares some big wins he's having after converting to IPS via Zoom. You won't want to miss this if you do any kind of sales in your photography business. That interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. We are going to get into this interview with Ian in just a second. Make sure you do stick around till after the interview as well because I have an announcement from Ian that he wanted to relay or that he wanted me to relay to you about two hours after recording this interview. So stick around for that. I also want to let you know about a webinar that's coming up this week following a survey of over 600 portrait photography clients. We're going to be discussing the ins and outs of why they chose the photographer they did, why they made the investments they did, and what you can do with that information to start attracting more of your ideal clients. I've also got a quick update about the LinkedIn course, which is currently underway. All that after this interview with Ian. And if you didn't catch last week's interview with Elle Payne, the newborn photographer, who is also Melbourne-based, there must be something in the water down there at Melbourne, you absolutely need to get back and have a listen to Elle because she will motivate and inspire you no matter what genre you photograph, no matter where you're at with your business. And not only will you walk away feeling excited about your own business and how endless your possibilities are, there are also a ton of takeaways. So make sure you get back and have a listen to Elle Payne and that interview that was recorded last week. You do not need to be a newborn photographer to get so much from what Elle had to share. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, all that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Ian. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. So if you are loving what Ian shares in the first half, make sure you check out the premium membership. You can do that for as little as $1 if you head over to photobizx.com forward slash try welcome to another great eye for business it's time for andrew's special guest I'm super excited to have today's guest back on the show for, we're not sure if this is the third or the fourth time, but I'm talking about Ian Sim from Hugster Photography in Melbourne. Ian, like I said, has been on the show a few times before. He's also the brains behind the messenger marketing, I guess, course, program, help. Uh, it was Nice Chat Let's Book. I think he's updated that platform to something else we're going to hear about. He also has Ian and Joe We Tell Love Stories, which is his wedding site. Again, I'm not sure if that has changed since we've last spoken, but I do know I love talking to Ian and from what I've heard from you as a listener, you love hearing from him as well because he's in the trenches doing what we're all doing, trying to make a great living doing photography through COVID and all the other things getting thrown at us at the moment. So Ian, welcome back to the podcast, mate. Hey, how are you? (laughs) I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm in lockdown. You're just out of lockdown, but by all accounts, business is going pretty well for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're just about to go back into lockdown as well, which oh, must sound bizarre to um, people listening in other countries. But 
this is this is our lives. <laughs> so when you hear about lockdown, like coming back in, do you rush to get portrait sessions done, or do you think I just take it as it comes? You know, if I have to reschedule, I've got to reschedule. It's a good question. It probably depends a little bit. I kind of think of. Uh, there's sort of the community lockdown and the government lockdown and sometimes we have a situation where people just stop by their own, you know, of their own accord. Your families just stop going out and doing things. I guess the numbers have picked up a little bit so I don't really push anything in those times. If there's, if it feels like there's a lockdown coming but it doesn't feel like there's that environment, um, then I'll push and try and get a few done. I tried to do that in the first one. That's really the only time that's ever come up here and we worked out butts off trying to get that happening got a couple in and then really wheels fell off the wagon anyway so uh, <laughs> over the last what have we had five uh, i've pretty much just sat down accepted <laughs> accepted my fate started thinking about what we can do to use that time productively right and so when you can't photograph you can't bring an income that way when you say look at other things to do to be productive is that, you know, work on the back end of your website? Is it to try and build out another course? Like, what do you do to stay productive? There's been a few a few things. So firstly, we switched all of our our meetings to Zoom right from the first from the first lockdown. I was petrified about doing it. So that's when I say all meetings, that's all all planning meetings, all sales meetings as well. Um, wedding inquiries, wedding album designs, absolutely everything. So probably about ninety nine percent of all of our meetings for the last year have been a bit Zoom. That means that if there's a portrait session that I've shot and I haven't done the sales yet, I can still make an income out of that shoot and that's been an absolute lifesaver. Just as an example, the last – so we had a lockdown in, I think. (laughs) I'm losing track maybe. I don't know. (laughs) About about two months ago, we had a lockdown. We had about a month in between and then went back in again. And because there's a lag, for me at least anyway, of about three weeks between booking a new shoot you know, that we came out of lockdown, we ran a promotion, we booked some sessions, and then three weeks later we're shooting them. We went into another lockdown four weeks later, <laughs> so I actually only got three shoots in. But by having those Zoom meetings during lockdown for the for the sales, we had some income come in. We've put a lot of focus onto our portrait process so that it's more efficient, it gets better information out to people. So there's, those are the sorts of things that I do while I'm in lockdown trying to work out how we can maximise our sales, basically, which meant that those three, as an example, were pretty good sales. They kind of got us through that period. Fantastic. So just before we dive deep into this list of topics we've talked about sharing or going into on today's episode, just give us a snapshot of your business because are you still photographing weddings or are you only doing engagement sessions? Are you doing any commercial work or is it 100% families? It's probably 80% families now, I'd say. Weddings have just become hard work <laughs> for the last little little while, so we're not focusing on that at all. So a couple of weddings fall our way from time to time, but this doesn't feel like people are really booking weddings at the moment, and so we're just not doing any promotion for it. Engagement sessions used to be, probably the last time I spoke to you, they were a big focus of our business because they were great. We're getting good sales out of them, but they were also booking weddings. At the moment, I don't really want the weddings, and so... The sales aren't as good as a family session, so I'm just not really pushing that either, which means that, that we have become almost entirely a portrait, family portrait studio. Okay. And I remember last time we did speak, you did have a, a commercial arm to the business. Is that still running at all or have you shut that down? It's completely dead. I think I let the domain go 
about two months ago. So it kind of nice, a little bit more focus. <laughs> it was never something I loved shooting. It was never something that I got particularly great at, at selling and it didn't really feel like it was a good fit. The, the idea was to do something over winter and I'd find that I'd, I'd do the marketing in winter. I'd get a couple of jobs for spring when I didn't want them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just didn't really fit. So it sounds like, I mean, you're saying here, you know, you're almost all in on family portraits. Has that made business and life easier because that's your singular focus? A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's good to hear. Mate, let's dive into your portrait process because you said that, you know, during the lockdown, you mapped out a different process from start to finish. And one of the big things you mentioned to me was you've created questionnaires at each step of the way. Is that questionnaires for the clients to complete? No. So we had all these, um, before we mapped the the processes out, we had all these emails going back and forth asking clients little bits and pieces of information. We would be calling them and checking in on things or they'd be calling us if they were confused about something. And so I kind of made a decision that when I mapped the process out, I realized it was kind of unmappable. (laughs) I made the decision that I wanted to just put little kind of like checkpoints along the way where we just capture all the information that we need to capture. And although my... I don't know, my tendency is often towards technology. It was really tempting to send, you know, email people a questionnaire. We made the decision, I think it was a really good one, to each of those checkpoints was going to be some kind of in-person or on Zoom or on the phone contact. So clients are giving us that information, but we're entering into the questionnaire. Okay, so you wanted to use email, but you decided against it because you wanted to have the personal touch. And I didn't want it to get lost in a spam filter and then I have to follow them up anyway. And I think... Ultimately, the aim of all of this is to have a higher sale and that bit of connection helps the sale. So better to just do that in person. So who's making those calls? Is it the photographer? Is it Joe? Is it a, someone from overseas? No, uh, we tried. Uh, that's a whole other story. I did try having someone in the Philippines making calls for us. And unfortunately, there's just a little bit of a, a reaction in Australia to a Filipino voice on the phone, thanks to our telcos <laughs> and thanks to all the spam marketing companies that have hired Filipinos. People uh, don't realise how lovely they can actually be. We had a Filipino VA who was calling our lab actually just to check in on progress on some prints and we had a recording of the call and they just hung up on her. Wow. <laughs> she was just, you know, wasn't telemarketing. So, um we gave up on that. All calls are made by either myself or Joe. Just before the pandemic, we were looking at hiring someone to make those calls, but it would be someone in Melbourne. So, that, you know, when they say it's a nice day outside, they mean that they're not Googling it. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, sure. And someone who's probably a client is, is what we were, that's what we we're looking at back then. To hire, to make these calls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just for the listener that isn't familiar with you and your business, so Joe is your wife. Yes. She works in the business with you full-time, but she doesn't photograph. So does Joe actually make sales or is that you? Yeah, so it's mostly me that the clients see. So Joe does most of those phone calls, so the initial inquiry call. I do all of the Zoom meetings, so I do the planning appointment. I do the shoot and I do the sale afterwards. Aside from that, my focus is mainly on kind of active direct marketing so facebook ads that kind of thing joe makes sure that the prints actually get produced (laughs) that they don't have they're not riddled with errors that they get delivered to clients so they kind of joe's sort of the back end of the process and then at the front of the 
the cheese in the sandwich. Got it. <laughs> so with these calls or this process that you've mapped out, so you get an inquiry, let's say it's for a Facebook ad, for example, then you, you jump straight onto the phone and, and that's the first contact? No. So it depends on whether we have two kind of different styles of promo. It might be a chatbot or it might be a learning page. If it's a chatbot, it's going to do some pre-qualification and then shortlist them. If they're shortlisted, then they get a link to a acuity calendar where they can book in a call. Every call, they're all outbound calls, but they're all scheduled um, at the client's uh, you know, time that's convenient for them. If it's a landing page, I think this is something I've worked on with you. Um, we take the details on the landing page. So they've read a lot of information, FAQs, et cetera, on a sort of information page. They click through to an application page that's got a couple of brief questions. And then whether they give us answers that we like or not, they just go straight through to an acuity page. And it just says, to finish your application, we need to chat with you. And so we need to schedule a 15-minute conversation, which means that sometimes we end up, if it's a landing page promo, it means that we sometimes end up on the phone with somebody who's literally said, I don't want to buy anything. <laughs> so hang on, isn't your landing page doing the filtering process so that person shouldn't get through? No, no. So the chatbot does, but the landing page doesn't. The landing page will send people through either way, just because if you, you can put sort of conditions on questions on a landing page, but I couldn't find a way that didn't look a bit slimy. Okay. <laughs> it looked like, you know, when you, when you click this option, schedule appointment but disappears <laughs> right, right okay i don't want that happening. and honestly it's been a good sort of test because sometimes we have i've looked back through our sales and some of our best sales have come from people who've given really terrible answers right on their applications you know digital only and then they've spent four grand on more luck wow okay so let's say a questionnaire comes through or an acuity appointment pops up for someone who's gone to a landing page They've indicated they don't want to spend anything extra or they just want the digital files. So you go into that conversation, you must have some kind of negative approach to that, that initial, uh, you know, when they initially answer the call. Do you jump straight past that? Do you suss them out? Like what's the process? So the phone call is actually, it's the first of the questionnaires. And so what we've done, we've made a call script that is a questionnaire with, with little bits of text in between, in between the questions. So there's things that we say, just as information, and then there's questions that we've really carefully phrased so that, for example, we're saying, what would you like to do with your wall art rather than would you like to buy anything? Um, so all of that's really carefully carefully mapped out. We follow that process um, until it becomes a lost cause. <laughs> so <laughs> some clients, you know, you see the, see the application and it'll say, I don't want to buy anything, I just want digitals. And right from the start of the call, you know that that was just they were just clicking the first option on the form, or they they weren't really reading things properly. You know, it's a different customer to what you saw on the landing page. Some customers are exactly what some some potential clients are exactly what the landing page suggests they might be. You know, the first thing they say is, "Hello, Ian speaking. How much will this cost me?" Um, <laughs> and, and so, in those situations, you're trying to send it relatively quickly, but always with the, the idea that I don't want to ever close that door. You know, I don't want them to feel like, well, that studio is never for me. The line we usually use is something lines of totally understand that it's not always the right time to do this and it's not always the right time to do this at this level of quality, so to, to you know, really invest in it. And so I hope we are the first 
studio you think of when it is the right time. I think that's kind of a, a nice, friendly way to leave things. We try and do that fairly quickly if it's completely clear that it's not going to happen. Right. So Joe's making these calls, so she's got her script. Yep. So she's still exploring if there's really any chance that this family might actually be interested in spending money. And the only time she closes it out is she gets the feeling that absolutely not, these guys are not spending a cent. Exactly, yeah. Okay, and then what is she trying to do? Is she trying to get then another booking for a pre-shoot consultation with you over Zoom? Is that her ultimate goal? Correct, yeah. So one thing that we really learned when doing that kind of mapping it's a really great exercise. I encourage everyone to do this, by the way. I think it's draw.io is the site that I used. You can just make kind of a, a flow chart of you make this phone call, out of that phone call, what are the options? So what it forced us to do was to actually kind of make a decision. What are the outcomes of each of these meetings? And before that, when we initially sat down and made that list, there was we make a um, – so to answer your actual question, the aim is to book a planning appointment. But there was also all these other things that could happen. So you could book a follow-up call, which I think I've borrowed from one of an interview on in front of the decks somewhere, rather than just cool, we'll chat at some point. Okay, I'm free on Wednesday. That gives you two days to talk to your husband. Does 11 o'clock work. Right. Is that another call with Joe or is this then a call with you? Yep. Another with Joe. Whoever did the call, ideally, if they're available. And so that way, you know, if they're actually interested, then we'll do a follow-up call out of the you know, an agreed time so that we can finish off the conversation. They've had a little bit of thinking time. 90% of the time that goes nowhere. <laughs> so we try <laughs> okay. not to really encourage those. We used to have an unscheduled follow-up call. So I just need to talk to my husband. And I should just say here, I realise that that probably sounds a little bit sexist. 99.9% of the people we speak to are women. And 99% of the time when there's a, when there's a reason why they're not able to commit, whether it's true or not, the line is, I need to talk to my husband. That's <laughs> right. Totally understand. Husband might be totally up for it. Husband might not even exist. It might just be a line. <laughs> so, yeah, so we try and actually pick a time. But before we map that process out, there's all these other options like, you know, I'm still interested, but I can't commit to a follow-up. If you can't commit to a follow-up, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's when they get the line about, you know, this is expensive, maybe this isn't the right time. When it is, I hope you think about us. Yeah. I mean, or alternatively, if they're insistent that, they, that they're keen but just need a bit of thinking time, then we'll, we'll just say, look, no problems, give me a call within a couple of days and we can continue this conversation and then we'll go back into our form and just close the job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're not coming back. Yeah. So you would much rather, as a photographer in business, to – push away the people that aren't good, aren't a right fit, that aren't going to spend yep. money and only bring in the people that are actually willing to spend money, that are going to value what they get from you as a photographer. Absolutely. They're going to be happier clients. They're going to be better, a better use of my time. I'm going to enjoy my work a lot more because I'm dealing with people who really, who really love it. But that's not to say that I'm only wanting to talk to people who on the phone are ready to commit to spending money. We don't ask them to do that. We just want to know that they're open to it. They're open to purchasing something and that our prices don't freak them out. That's all we're looking for. Got it. So Joe is mentioning and talking about price of products on her call? Yes. Yeah, that's a big reason why we why we scripted out that call. Right. So let's say Joe has a successful, for want of a better term, applicant or potential client. They schedule a call, a Zoom call with you for a planning appointment or a pre-shoot consultation. 
Before we go into details on that, how many times or in the beginning were you going back to Joe going, Joe, how did these people get through? <laughs> and how much did you have to tighten up the process? It's so interesting. The first, I think the first four calls that she made, they were all just no. I didn't book any of them. Then we looked at the reason why we made some little changes and she sort of booked one out of four. And then there was a period where she was booking, um, she was booking more than perhaps she should have. There was a, a couple of lines in the script about products and prices where if you say them in a certain way, it sounds expensive. If you say it in a certain way, it doesn't. And so I think it's really helpful to have two people look at that. You know, it's easy for me to say, Joe made the mistakes and then I swept in and changed them. But really, if I'd been doing the calls and she'd been the one reviewing them, so it would have been the same story. So it was the scripts that needed work. Yep. Right. So that's what's evolved over this period. Yeah, and it, it's gone, you know, at some points the, the script feels like it's booking too many people. Sometimes it's booking too, booking too few. There's also, it feels like there's little runs of clients of similar, of similar types. So I think it's important to not jump to conclusions on two or three phone calls. But if we see four or five of the same thing happening, then it may change. And this is what I really love about doing family portraits. It's a quick process. There's a quick turnaround, you know, from the first time we talk with them to when we hand over their products, it's probably about six to eight weeks. And so if we get something wrong, then, you know, if our sale is a little bit lower than we would like it to be, then we can look at the process, we can make an adjustment, and within eight weeks we've got a better result. Whereas with weddings, you make a change. Two years later, you've forgotten what the change was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you start seeing it come through. For sure. So let's say you've got this potentially great client. They get past Joe's checkpoint. You're on a Zoom call with them. This is when I guess you would call, is this like an excitement call where you're trying to get to know them and their family, the little intricacies that make them special and talk about locations and those kind of things? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So I tried excitement calls. I find it a little hard to get motivated to call three days before a shoot, to be completely, <laughs> completely honest, because really by then I think, They've made the decision about whether they're excited or not. And it doesn't feel to me like it fits. I'm sure that the chorus of people disagree with that. For me, I want to build that excitement a lot, a lot long, uh, sorry, a lot earlier in the process. So we have a Zoom call. We go through in ProSelect. I show them some wall layouts. I show them, I go through all the prices. So the prices have been discussed on the phone, but I want to be really, really clear about prices. So we've refined our price list. So it's all just, it's all focused around wall collections and it's all small, medium, large. So I show them a small, a medium and a large. I show them canvases and frames and timber panels and you know, everything. We play some games with the kids. On the Zoom call? Yeah. So they have an idea of what the session's going to be like. That's been really great because it shows the dad usually or the mum, the person who's been dragged into the meeting, shows them that this isn't going to be stuffy and formal, this is going to be fun. And they see what happens on their kids' faces as well. They start thinking, I want to see that on the wall. Can you give me one little example of something you might say to the kids? Um, like a, a game with the kids, what you mean? Yeah. It might be just like a little quiz or something. If you get the answer wrong, you get tickled, something like that. Right, okay. So something interactive for the family to do on the other side of the camera. Yeah, exactly. During the Zoom call. Yeah. Right, so you actively encourage the kids to be there for that Zoom call too. This isn't just for mum and dad. No, it's for the whole family. Sometimes I regret that decision. <laughs> I've learned to, to 
to not listen. When somebody on the call says that the most convenient time to get the whole family together is around five o'clock on a school night. Right. Um, I, <laughs> we used to say, well, that's what they say, and that's them we'll take the we'll take the appointment. Or our kids are night owls. We could do like eight thirty. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an absolute nightmare. So there's sometimes it really works and sometimes it don't. If it's a massive family, I won't encourage the kids to be there. If they've got really little kids, I won't encourage the kids to be there. Two-year-old on Zoom isn't really going to be able to you know, yeah. enjoy the meeting. So the other thing I do is I encourage people to, if they've got kids that are, I don't know, five plus, even if they've got teenagers, I tell them the meeting will go for about 45 minutes to an hour, something like that. For the first half, the kids will enjoy it. It'll be, you know, interactive for the whole family. The second half is what my son calls boring grown-up chitter-chatter and they're going to hate it. So set up a movie in the room next door or something like that. Got it. I love that. So best of both worlds. Nice. So, Ian, when you're in ProSelect and you're showing these wall art collections in small, medium and large and the prices so they've got an idea of what they might want for their home, do those templates have other family photos in there or are they just blank templates? Yeah, it's other shoots. Okay, right. So that they can really see another family in these photos. Exactly, exactly. And, and we're also talking about locations. I tell clients that so we shoot at parks, beaches or bush and so I'm showing them everything seems to be sets of three, all the, all the options. So I'm showing them examples of, of those. Most people choose bush mainly because that's kind of where we are. There's a really nice bit of bush nearby. And so I really like shooting there. I probably push it a little bit. And so our biggest collection that I show them in those room, room views is a bush one so that I can kind of just use it as example as example for other things. And then they start to think, hopefully, I can see our family in that one. Got it, got it. For the American listeners, do they use the term bush? Or do they use I don't it? know, actually. I was just thinking that. Is it woods? Is it woods? In the woods? <laughs> forest? In the forest? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Lots of trees. Lots of bush. <laughs> so some people use park to mean playground as well. That's not at all what I mean. So I mean park, I mean green and structured. Bush, I mean natural and a bit wild. And then beach, I think is universal. Right, okay. Cool. So like little bush tracks, mountain bike trails, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Longer grass. Good. Yeah, so not all manicured and perfectly laid out with fences and playground equipment. It's just... Exactly. And I mean, we're in winter in Melbourne here, so it's good to have lots of trees around filter that really low light so we get really beautiful um, golden light, you know, for most of the, of the day at this time, time of year. And it also means that because there's lots of trees of different heights, I find that it blocks the wind and right. so it can be kind of a nicer place for, for people to be. Got it. Love it. So the ultimate goal of your planning appointment is to settle on a location, plant the seed of potential wall art in their home, what they might want, and to settle on a, on a date and a time for the shoot. Is that everything you're trying to sort of cross off for that session? Yeah. Yeah, I want them all engaged. I don't want to worry about whether people are going to show up to a shoot. I don't want to worry about whether they can cancel the last minute. People cancel planning appointments all the time, but they don't cancel sessions as often. And then we don't have a problem with people not showing up. Um, you know, not that that really happened before, but it feels like after a planning appointment, people are either on board or they kind of go, oh, well, that's too much. We're not, <laughs> we're not into that, um, which is fine. 
Cool. And then just using your example before, so I don't sound sexist, what happens at a planning appointment? <laughs> oh, planning appointment. Right. Cheers. <laughs> Put it back on you. <laughs> um, what happens at a, a planning appointment? Mum and the kids are there and she says, oh, Dad couldn't come, he's stuck at work or he's busy. Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Changing tact here, nice chat, let's book, messenger marketing. Is it still working, still running, still going? So nice chat, let's book, no, messenger marketing, yes. Okay. So you're still using messenger marketing in with your Facebook ads to generate leads? Yes. Yeah. We're just not using the brand nice chat, let's book anymore. We're not using that website anymore because we got hacked relentlessly for about three years and in the end just decided to let the domain go. We switched it to different hosting. And they came back. And so we're rebranding at the moment. We're, we're called Simplify Your Studio now. And the other thing that's happened is rather than a course, I'm now helping people one-on-one now because I, I came to the conclusion that messenger marketing changes so quickly. If I was going to try and keep a course up to date for any length of time, it either is going to be this huge amount of work to keep this general course up to date or it's going to have to be so niche down and specific that it's only relevant to about four people. And so um, I think it's working a lot better to just spend some time one-on-one with each studio and, and come up with something that works specifically for them. What we've done is built some templates that we can apply to different people. So you're not kind of starting from scratch each time. If you're a portrait photographer, we've got some chatbot flows, they're called, that are set up for you ready to go and we just tweak them for that studio. So it's pretty quick to get going. Your other question was whether messenger marketing is still is still working. It's changed a lot and I'm using it in conjunction with landing pages. I want to make sure that I'm not completely locked to one method because if something changes, I just don't want to be that situation. There are things popping up like Messenger Lite. There's a different app for Messenger which causes havoc for chatbots. Um, so is this instead of ManyChat? So, no, instead of the Messenger app on your phone. So, some people have full Messenger on their phones, which works perfectly with chatbot. A small proportion of people have Messenger Lite, which when a chatbot tries to show you, ask you a question and show you a button to answer, you can't see the button, um, which, which makes it impossible. Nightmare. And so, it's good, I think, to have an option that's not a chatbot as well as something that, something that is. Okay, because I remember, so last time we spoke, you were pretty much 100% all in on the Messenger bots as a way to filter your prospective leads. But now you're using that in conjunction with a landing page, which is on your website. And for you, a landing page, that sits on your website, on the the Hugster website, but it doesn't have any navigation. You can't see it from the front page. Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then with the one-on-one for, did you say it's called Simplify Your Studio, the new business? Yes. So with that, I'm guessing then that, I am guessing here that you come in and install it and set it up. Is that how it works? That sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. So what I've kind of realized is that I'm not great at coming up with marketing ideas. And you'll know that because I've called you to get your help to come up with them. I get them from from Photobizx episodes, from lots of different places. And so nobody should be coming to me for their marketing ideas, for their catchphrases, for their, you know, how to identify their target client. None of that. That's not what I do. I think a, a big gap for a lot of people comes after that, which is where I've got a bit of a strength, which is how to execute that campaign. 
once you've come up with the idea for a marketing campaign, how to see it through. So I have calls from photographers saying, I've got this campaign up and running, it's going gangbusters, but I've just realized, for example, that I've gathered 200 people's phone numbers in Messenger and I now have to go into Messenger and copy and paste them all, all out. So that's something I can solve really easily for them. And for example, link that up, their Messenger up to a Google Sheet or something like that so they can get a, a nice easy list to respond or link it up to acuity scheduling so their clients are getting some, getting offered a call booking service so they can schedule something in the calendar. Those little bits of, of technology that we can string together to make that follow-up easier to make sure that you get qualified leads in the calendar ready for some kind of interaction, whether it's a phone call or a meeting, that's where I can really help. Got it. If I was to come to you and I said, look, I'm running a Facebook ad, I've been inundated with leads, I've got 200 prospective clients or leads here, would your first inclination be to try and reduce the number of leads by qualifying them better first before you bring them into a Google Sheet? Or would you just say, or would it depend on the photographer and their approach? So can we go back a step? Sure. Has that campaign already happened? Well, yeah, in this case it has. I've already run the campaign. I've got 200 leads. I think, holy crap, I don't know where to start. How am I going to I can't call 200 people. Yeah. I think if, you, if you've already run the campaign and, I mean, it kind of depends on what the offer was, how it was presented. If it, if it was, you know, something like you're running a competition, you're giving away a major prize and then some runner-up prizes and you've got no information about those clients to make that decision probably your best bet is to just hit the phone and start calling 200 people <laughs> if it's too late. And from that, learn for next time. For the next campaign. <laughs> Be your own chatbot the first time, but just know that next time you can up, you can ask some follow-up questions. I think anytime I've tried to kind of run a second round of qualification, it's had mixed results because you need to have, if it's chatbot, for example, Chatbots are most effective in that 10 minutes after somebody's first engaged with you. After that, if you try and engage with them again the next day, then you're going to lose probably half of them. If it's a landing page and somebody's just filled out their results, they get sent another questionnaire. You know, just give us your name and email address and you'll enter the, into the draw. And then tomorrow they get an email saying, can I also have your dog's name? How old your firstborn is? You know, and... Um, <laughs> And 25 words or less on something, you probably get 20% of them at best replying. Too much, too late. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why our landing page just goes straight into the call booking process because we don't want to have to follow, follow them up later on. Yes. Okay. So in another scenario, if I ran a successful campaign, got 200 leads, absolutely killed myself last time, I'm going to run a similar ad now. Then I would come to you first. You could design a messenger bot flow. Yep that's going to help qualify those leads. So I might end up with 50 good leads rather than 200 that I don't know what they're like. The two approaches that we generally use on a chatbot, number one, we can either ask them some questions and and on the basis of those questions, you know, give them different questions and then shortlist them. So, you know, you're a family photographer and you want to have the whole family in the shoot. You don't want clients that only only want the kids photographed. Then in the chatbot, it'll say, who would you like to be involved in the shoot? Now, if they say just the kids, now some photographers are obviously fine with that. I'm, I'm not. I want the whole family there. So if someone says just the kids, the next question that they'll get from me will be kind of, are you sure? <laughs> how about we just take you know, the chatbot will ask them, how about we take some with the whole family and then you can choose whether you buy those ones or not. 
but the kids will have more fun because they're playing with you in the, in the court. With that in mind, would you like the whole family involved or just the kids? And then if they say just the kids, then we can say, you know, we can, we can make them a no in the shortlisting <laughs> politely. So that's kind of one way. And you could do that with lots of different questions. You can do that about whether they're interested in purchasing something or whether, you know, they'd like the opportunity to purchase something. Um, their availability, whether they, you know, work 95 hours a week, whether they can only do Sundays at 4 p.m., those sorts of things. We can ask them all sorts of questions and then qualify them based on that. The other approach is to ask fewer questions but have one of those questions be a, a text answer, you know, 25 words or less on a topic. Why would you love to win a Huxley Family Photography Session and what would you like to do with the photos, for example? That spits out into a Google sheet. We review those. We manually shortlist them. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then we have our chatbot go through and kind of read those answers on the next Sunday morning and then message out all the yes people to say, hey, congratulations, you've been selected. Here's a link to book a phone call. Right. That's cool. I haven't heard that approach before. So that's not leaving too much of a gap between them first interacting with the chatbot and then getting a follow-up? I have totally contradicted what I said before, haven't I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be clear, when we leave that gap, we tell them all along that we're going to. So they're applying, you know, they're entering a competition on Monday. It'll say the chatbot, we're going to gather all the entries and then we'll get back to you on Sunday. And so they're expecting that. Okay. Whereas the other example I gave you before was a photographer's been inundated, it's too late, there's never any warning they're going to follow up and then they try and follow up. Exactly. Yeah, I've tried that and it's a disaster. 200 phone calls is a disaster as well. And I feel really sorry for anyone who's hearing this that's in that situation. <laughs> but uh, I, can, I can help you on the next one more than I can on this one. <laughs> Good. Okay, so where's the best place then to speak to you, Ian, about or how do we go about talking to you about this? Uh, so simplifyyourstudio.com. So with the so fully spelled out, with the, the double Y that comes out of <laughs> comes out of Simplify and you're next to each other, uh, simplifyyourstudio.com. Fantastic. Mate, again, this has been so much fun chatting to you. You always come up with something new, something exciting, and I always enjoy what you share, mate. So massive thanks. I'll add links to anywhere and everywhere that people can find you. And obviously, if you're listening to this as a premium member, you'll know Ian's part of the members Facebook group already. So you can hit him up there. Ian, I hope there's no more lockdowns for you. And I hope you're well. Say hello to Joe and thanks so much again. No worries. Been fun. Talk soon. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ian Sim as much as I did. Ian, if you're listening, again, thank you so much, mate, for coming on and sharing everything you did. I always enjoy our conversations and love what you have to share. So, mate, again, massive thanks. For you, the listener, I do hope there were a ton of takeaways. I hope there were things that Ian shared that you can absolutely implement into your business. If there are, I would love to hear about them. I know Ian would as well. Let us know if you are a premium member inside the members group, what you'll be taking away from what Ian had to share. And if you're listening to the free version of the podcast, if you do have a follow-up question for Ian, I've got links to anywhere you can find him in the show notes for today's episode. And this week they are at photobizx.com forward slash 430. And if you do check out those show notes, I've got links to anywhere and everywhere you can find Ian. I've got links to anything that he mentioned in the interview, including a link to his new business, or his new business name, Simplify Your Studio by Ian and Joe. That's there in the show notes. And talking about Ian's new business, I have a special offer from Ian for five listeners. 
the five first listeners who book a Zoom call with Ian via his site. It's a $150 credit, which essentially gives you one hour of automation or five hours of editing. This is going to go to you for free if you're one of the first five listeners to book a Zoom call with Ian. All you need to do is go to simplifyyourstudio.com, book a call there. Make sure you mentioned me or PhotoBizX so Ian knows to apply that special discount to you. So get on that and try and be one of the first five listeners to make use of that very cool giveaway. Thank you, Ian. Now, just before we get into the announcements for today's show, I did mention earlier that Ian did send me a message not long after recording that interview with him, and I'm just going to read it to you as he sent it to me. He says, so, a few hours after our chat, lockdown number six kicks in. It highlighted two things I wish I'd said in the interview, so I would really appreciate it if you could say them on my behalf in your wrap-up or post this in the group when the episode goes live. Number one, in Melbourne, we've been under strict lockdowns for around six months in total since the start of the pandemic. But as much as that sucks, I realise it's a small hardship compared to others elsewhere who've lost people close to them. I'd happily stay home for much longer than this to protect our community, and most of our clients here would too. Number two, for any listeners who've been struggling with their mental health during extended lockdowns, I know it doesn't always help to hear people's one-sided accounts of how well they're handling it. So to be clear, like all normal people in this situation, I've absolutely had my struggles too. I'm really pleased with some of the improvements we've made in our systems and processes during lockdowns, but that progress has been achieved in small bursts, interspersed with longer periods of homeschooling, too much drinking and doom scrolling on social media like everyone else. Although our averages are up, revenue is still way down because we've been closed so much. So it's not all rosy here. The best advice I can give anybody is to try and spot those little productive windows and make good use of them. But if all you achieve during lockdown is to keep yourself and your family safe and sane, that's okay too. So that was from Ian, not long after recording that interview. And just like him, we too up in Sydney are back in lockdown. I know it's probably different for you if you're in another part of the world. It feels like Australia is, is one year behind Europe and the US as far as COVID and lockdowns and cases and even vaccinations. So yeah, fingers crossed, things get better soon. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Okay, I've got two quick announcements before we close out today's episode. The first one is the 2021 Professional Photography Survey Results Reveal. So I'm going to be appearing or participating in a webinar with Kate Higgins from A Little Life and Kim Hamlin, who you recently heard interviewed on the podcast from Kim Marie Photography Business Coaching. And the idea is we're going to be discussing the results of a recent survey of over 600 portrait photography clients. And I haven't seen the results or all the questions yet, but what I have seen, there are a ton of interesting questions and surprising answers about how clients find their photographers what they want and expect to see on the photographer's websites, things that immediately turn them off or turn them away, and a ton more. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to see the stats and the questions in real time with you if you attend the webinar. And the idea is we discuss these and you come away with takeaways on how you can improve your business. 
So if you want to come along to the live webinar, it's on Friday, September 17th. So this Friday, if you're listening as the podcast goes live at 1 p.m. Australian Eastern Time, I do have a link in the show notes for today's episode so you can find your local time. To register for the webinar, just go to photobizx.com forward slash survey. So photobizx.com forward slash survey. Pretty sure you can catch the replay if you register there as well. So there's nothing to pay for this. There's no um, on-selling or upselling. This is purely a, a webinar between three photographers to discuss the results of this survey. So it should be fun. Photobizx.com forward slash survey if you want to check that out and come and join us. Yeah, and you get to ask questions too. Have your say, participate, ask questions, etc. It, it should be a fun a fun webinar. And just lastly, I want to remind you that the LinkedIn course is still underway. We've just completed week two of the four-week course. So the third session is coming up later this week. It's not too late to join us at the special price, which is an absolute bargain. Like you will be amazed at the value you're getting for $97. The price does go up to double that at the end of the month. So if you're interested at all in using LinkedIn to grow your photography business, to generate a bigger network and find more paying clients, come and join us. Honestly, you will be blown away. And let me read to you one post from Monica Holt-Burby, who posted in our group just after the second session with Jeff. She says, and this is a quote, wow, Jeff sent out some connection messages this afternoon Within 10 minutes, one got back to me and said they need a photographer to shoot their 20-member board of directors' headshots and group photo in a few weeks. They accepted my quote, and we are sending over the invoice and contract. All this transpired in about one hour of time. Go LinkedIn. So that was from Monica, who basically took what we learned in session two, applied it to her business, and... Bingo. <laughs> the course has well and truly already paid for itself with one client. So, again, if you want to come and join us, it's not too late. Head over to photobizx.com forward slash LinkedIn. Even if you can't do the course as it goes live, you'll have access to all the recordings. It's going to be a standalone course that is already existing on the PhotoBizX website. I'm moving all the content there as it comes to hand. The PDF downloads, the recorded sessions, all the little extras, it's all there in that one spot. You can make the $97 investment now to save you 50% and come back to this any time you like. And I'll also add you into the, the group right away as well. So more details are at photobizx.com forward slash LinkedIn. And that wraps up today's episode of the podcast. I hope you are staying safe, healthy and well wherever you are in the world. I, for one, will be stuck at home no matter the case. We're almost stuck at home because we are moving in a little over a week's time, there are boxes everywhere. It's getting harder and harder to find things. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy time for us. So I think I would be at home whether or not it was a lockdown. And that's definitely looking on the brighter side of things. Alrighty, that is it from me for this week. I'll talk to you next week. Stay safe and well. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 